The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. Welcome back to part two of this episode. I really hope you enjoyed part one. Now let's get back into it. So from your experience, Raquel, what do you feel is like the most common challenge that parents have if you were to try and pinpoint one what do you feel is something they almost all seem to struggle with whether it be mentally physically emotionally is there one standout that people really feel as is a a big challenge I think overall the just whole topic of food is really challenging for parents because they're starting to become more aware that they need to be careful about the way that they're speaking about food to their children Because automatically when you live with diabetes, you're going to have issues with food in some way just because you're focused on it all the time and you're forced to count carbs and all of that. And so, you know, they don't want to be forcing their kids to eat certain things um, or making that, you know, it's so weird. You're losing your sense of being able to intuitively eat and listen to your body and hunger cues when you've already given a certain amount of insulin for whatever's on your plate. And so you're forcing a child to eat that whole thing. Um, but I think what comes along with that is, as you know, when you're not pre-dosing your insulin, it is just so much harder to manage highs. And so I think the number one hardest thing that I hear from parents is that they don't know, they don't feel like they can pre-dose because they don't know that their child's going to eat everything. And then that sends their child on a roller coaster of numbers. And so it's just a constant cycle you know sometimes people will dose half of the amount before which can be helpful but still that I think that's just the hardest thing there but it ties into the mental side as well because there's so much mentally that can get really challenging with eating it's interesting because even just from this conversation that we're having I'm realizing different types of challenges that relate to young kids that obviously don't relate to myself like for example a pre-bolus when I'm eating my food, I'll count my carbs, take my insulin, set a timer on my watch, and the timer goes off and I start eating my food. Relatively simple to do. But the nature of being a young child, you might be a picky eater or you don't want to eat when you're supposed to, or what's been made for dinner, you don't want to eat, you know, or you, you want to keep watching Barney or whatever people watch these days on the TV (laughs) and it's yeah it just adds a completely different layer of complexity that you you don't really need to 
pay attention to or or be aware of when you're living with it yourself which is interesting and this is kind of even just me thinking out loud (laughs) Um, but as well something like another thing that we're fully aware of is the fact that there are confirmed 42 different factors that impact your blood sugar like i almost think there must be more but i often think and this is relevant because this is actually how me and you have kind of reconnected again too but how temperature has such a significant impact and the fact that it has an impact on blood sugar itself but also on your insulin you know and obviously something that i use and something that you have used is the like the insulin coolers from for our family that are an absolute lifesaver and i'm hitting it off my microphone but for me I was all I like even when I do travel if I'm in hot temperatures I'm always like one of the main concerns is is my insulin going to go bad because that's something that we're we're not really even told of straight away you know and I was actually on a boat in Miami recently and I had this and it was the first time that I was in a really hot climate and I was confident that my insulin wasn't going to go bad it's almost like a a peace of mind to know that if I'm eating a random type of food and my insulin doesn't work, I'm in a tricky spot. Whereas, you know, it's kept cool and you're not going to get yourself stuck in a, a tricky spot. Like people have always, and people have messaged me being like, how do you use it? When do you use it? When do you use your insulin coolers or, or where do you bring them with you? Yeah. So I actually just used it two weeks ago. I went to uh, the Dominican Republic to Punta Cana for a week, just as a little vacation. And we went on an excursion one day where they took us out from our hotel on this little boat to this like private island sort of thing. And I was really nervous about keeping insulin cold. And we were there for the entire day. So I was also nervous that my pump would malfunction or it would get wet somehow on the boat or, you know, whatever. So I ended up bringing long acting and short acting insulin and syringes just in case. And (laughs) I was so nervous about the insulin, but I've used the for all family coolers before, never for that long of a day, but I was pleasantly surprised they worked so well. Like that thing keeps it cool. And it helped me just feel safe throughout the whole day. Cause I was really nervous. Like if something goes wrong, they're probably not going to take me back early. And you know, I'll probably be fine if it's just for a few hours, but um, yeah, I felt amazing about it. And I ended up actually doing a site change on the bus back to the hotel because my site was having some sort of issue. And so I was really thankful that I had the insulin and that it stayed cold. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love their products. Yeah. It's one of the most common things that like, I'm sure you're the same. You get messages on Instagram, you get emails and stuff like I'm, I'm going on a vacation. The main concern is insulin. Like, how much do I bring? Do I keep it in separate places? All these kinds of things, uh, which is, again, just an added layer of complication when it comes to the mental side of diabetes. So it's always a, a nice peace of mind to have. But Raquel, even I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to know your own experience with diabetes. Obviously, we're talking about other people you've met, other people you've babysat for, and I've asked this question numerous times on the podcast, and it's always one that I'm intrigued to hear people's answers to because there's always a different answer. But you were obviously diagnosed 
when you were five, I was diagnosed when I was 19. So later in life, essentially, I was kind of old enough to take care of it myself. But for me, there's a constant debate, mostly in my own head, (laughs) around when is the quote unquote best time to be diagnosed. So when you look at it, if you look at like the big picture, are you again, quote unquote, happier that you were diagnosed younger or would you have preferred in a strange sort of way to be diagnosed later? I think that it is actually easier to live as an adult if you were diagnosed as a child. I mean, I guess that sounds obvious. I'm sure it was really hard for me at the time and I probably have a lot of trauma that I'm not even fully aware of from growing up with (laughs) diabetes. But uh, so on my personal diabetes page, type one day, I just share more about young adult life with diabetes and I get a lot of people that message me as an adult getting diagnosed or even as like a 17, 18 year old. And I don't know, I think it's got to be so much harder to know what life is like without it. And I'm sure you can speak a lot to that, but I don't remember life before it really. I mean, I do remember being in the hospital getting diagnosed, but I don't remember eating something and not having to think about giving insulin, which is sad when I say it out loud, but I'm kind of thankful for it because it's just part of my life and it's what I do every day. And I get little moments, especially lately, where people around me just get to eat the ice cream or whatever without thinking twice about it. And I still let myself live. I think it's so important to not let diabetes stop you from those things. But it's still something you have to think about all the time. And that can be heavy. But I still think it's easier to just have it like ingrained in me, you know, like I think I would be really sad if I had been living a certain way and had to completely change my lifestyle. But I'm curious what you think. (laughs) Mm. I had a feeling you'd have a similar type of answer to that because generally people who are, even from the conversations I've had, people who are diagnosed younger have that same response of, "I, I don't really know anything different. I can't compare it to anything else. And you're you're absolutely right. Most of the people who I've spoken to anyway who are diagnosed later are like, what I find most difficult is comparing how my life was before this like flick of the switch, everything has changed. And I think even from my own perspective, and I'm I'm sure I've said this numerous times on the podcast before, but I, I honestly don't know why, but it kind of just like fit into my lifestyle really well in a strange sort of way. And maybe that's down to the fact that like, I've always been not, not saying it was easy or like I enjoyed it in any way, but it was, I think because I was like heavily into sport, I was, I was kind of routined anyway. I was going to the gym. I was managed. I was already kind of monitoring the food that I was eating. So it, it kind of fit into that type of lifestyle. Whereas if I had have been leading a different lifestyle at the time, I feel like I would have found it more difficult. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. I think I like to hear you say that, actually, because I feel like on social media, there's a lot of negativity around diabetes and I get it right because it's so hard to live with. And 
I live a very different version of it than anyone else because everyone's so unique. But at the same time, like, it's just easier for me to be positive about it. I don't know. It's easier for it to just work in my life and for me to make it just, I don't know. Um, Sometimes I feel almost guilty, like being so positive about it online because I never want to discredit what anyone is feeling. And I have really hard days. Like I have cried about diabetes for sure this year, at least once. But most of the time, I just don't find that energy to be worth it. And I don't really see a point in just sulking in like all the things that are going wrong and how hard it's made my life because I could go down that path. Or like you're saying, like I can choose to just look at my life and fit it in. And thankfully, like with my lifestyle, it somewhat fits in naturally too. But even last night, I got home pretty late and I was about to get into bed and I noticed that I only had 10 units on my pump. And I was like, Ugh, I don't want to be woken up in the middle of the night and have to go change my site. I was so annoyed, but I had to do a really late night site change. And it's those little moments that really piss me off. But at the same time, it's one moment and then you just move on. And now it's Friday and we're going to have a great day and a great weekend. And I don't know. I just I like hearing that you also find that it just kind of fits in your life. And I don't think it has to be the most heavy, worst thing ever. Like it really can be okay, and you can live with it. Hundred percent, and for me, it's like there's a difference between being positive in a way that, like, you're just you're pretending to be positive. You know, like not not that you are. The point I'm about to make is the fact that you are, and I I think I am too. I'm realistically positive in the sense that yes, I'm fully aware of the fact that it's a difficult thing to live with. It tests me almost on a daily basis, mentally, physically, emotionally, but it's easier to be negative. It's easier to be negative about anything in your life. It's harder to be positive. It takes more work to see the positive in things. And for me, I look at it as if I view my diabetes in a negative light, it doesn't change the fact that I have diabetes. I still have, I still have diabetes. If I view my diabetes in a positive light, I still have diabetes. It doesn't change it, but how you view it completely changes how you live with it. And having, having the ability to try and pinpoint the positives or work with it or fit it into your lifestyle is life changing with it, in my opinion, because you're doing yourself a disservice if you're constantly negative about it. That's how I feel. And I feel very strongly about it. <laughs> yes. What you said, I say this all the time. And what you said pretty much is like parallel to the way I phrased it in the past. Um, it's like when you have a high blood sugar, you can either decide to be super upset about it and like mad at yourself and whatever you still have to treat the high blood sugar, right? It doesn't change the fact that that's happening and that is only going to make the situation worse. Or you could just take care of it, not worry about it. It already happened and move on, you know? And it's like, why? Like, I just feel like it's so much easier said than done, but easier to just pick the option <laughs> where you're just, you know, uh, letting it go. And so just like you said, you can't change the fact you have diabetes. So you might as well find a way to make it fit in with your lifestyle. And I... I'm so thankful for so many things that this 
community has brought me and that honestly the disease has brought me like I, I don't wish I had it you know of course not but at the same time I wouldn't be who I am today without what it's put me through at all so I'm yeah. thankful for it in that way and I know that's controversial but it's true yeah. <laughs> well it's I'm not gonna ask you it just yet but I have a controversial finishing question for every episode of the podcast that we do but I'll ask you it now and a couple more questions um, but I'm, <laughs> I'm interested to know Raquel what's What's the plan for the business? Where do you where do you want it to be? Where do you want it to go in the next two, three, five years? Yeah, um, I finally feel very aligned with where it's at right now and the direction that it's headed. And so I really just want to expand on the resources that we are already doing, um, specifically the babysitter list. Like I want that to grow so that anyone anywhere has a sitter. Like we are now allowing international type ones to sign up as well. And even if you don't have diabetes, but you're a nurse or a doctor or your sibling has it and you feel like you understand it, you're welcome to still put your name down and just put that information in the notes section. But anyways, um, I want there to be someone for everyone because right now we have a ton of sitters in certain areas and a lot less in others. And so that's a huge goal. And then um, I really, Amanda and I want type one together to become the place that people are directed to go when their child is diagnosed and they're feeling really lost and like they need more resources. And we're already starting to see a lot of doctors recommend that to people. And that's really, frankly, like the huge goal, because like I said, doctors are doing the most they possibly can. And they have admitted to us like they don't have the capacity to give their people all of the things. And so even if it's just them getting a type one coloring book. I didn't mention that, but we also do coloring books with real kids from the community in the book. So like kids can get that book while they're in the hospital. We donate a lot of copies to hospitals and they're able to see other kids already wearing the devices that they have, like any little thing like that, right? It doesn't have to be taking a course or whatever, but um, we just want these parents to not feel alone and to feel seen because that's like the number one message. And I'd say compliment that we get is that people message us saying, I didn't feel like I was sane until I found your content because everyone was telling me differently. And it's like, you're really just saying how it is. And so that's all we're really aiming to do. And it's there. And like, we're just going to keep growing it and spreading the word. I think that's really all it's about. And I guess one other thing that I'd really like to incorporate is more events, in-person events. We've done some in LA because that's where I am right now. Um, but like I said earlier, I have a huge love for event planning and I love bringing people together in person. It's just the best. And so if we could do type one together events for kids and their parents to just come together and hang out all over the country, that would be a huge dream come true. Amazing. You've done a lot and I've no doubt you're going to continue to do more. On a personal note, Raquel, it must, it must be very rewarding and fulfilling for you, is it? Oh, yeah. It's it's fun. Like I wake up really excited to work every day and I get asked a lot, like, how do you do diabetes all day long? Cause you know, it's my job now. And honestly, most of my friends in Los Angeles have type one. And that's just because I moved here without knowing anyone. And it was immediate connection. A lot of immediate connections were made through the online community just cause you know, people would message me and I'm like, yeah, let's hang out. Like I got lunch yesterday with someone from Instagram. It's like, why not? Um, and so in some ways I can see how that could seem exhausting, but I think that I heal through doing this work so much. And so at the end of the day, I get to just not think about diabetes that much and just live my life, you know, but I love getting to work on it and help other people 
during the work hours. I don't know. Do you feel that way? Like it's so fulfilling. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like if I, if I didn't love what I do, I wouldn't do it. Pretty simple way to look at it. But yeah, yeah, of course it's challenging because I have my own diabetes. I'm running a business. I also try to, I, I worry so much of our clients' blood sugars because I want them to be in the best place possible. So in, in, a, in a strange sort of way, it's almost like uh, obviously not a parent and a child, but I think about our members' blood sugars so much. It's almost like I'm, I'm adopting more diabetes on top of me, on top of my own, <laughs> um, which I'm used to at this stage, but it's something that I love and it's massively fulfilling. So I'm going to continue to do it and continue to grow it. So I can appreciate and understand everything you've just said, Raquel. But here's the controversial question, the last question. We've had all different types of responses to this. There's no right or wrong answer. But if you, Raquel, had to thank your diabetes for something, what would that be? Ooh, such a good one. Um, I... I would thank it. Ooh. <laughs> I think I would thank it for the really hard moments. And the reason for that is I've begun to trust myself so much more lately in my whole life because I've gotten through so many hard moments. And most of those are because of diabetes. And I think that I used to be so scared of making changes in my life growing up. I just didn't trust myself. And I think a lot of that had to do with my relationship with diabetes. Like my body wasn't working properly. I just, I don't know. There's something to that. And now that I've done it for so long and it's like, if I can overcome this every single day and I can move and make new friends, you know, it's like the more stuff you do, that's just challenging like that. I feel like the more you feel like anything is possible. And so I'd say I'm thankful for the really hard days. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Fantastic answer. Raquel, where can people find out more about you? Where can people find out more about what you do and how you can help them? And specifically the the babysitter list, which is fascinating. And by the way, which I said to you before we press record, I was, I'm raging that I didn't think of that idea. <laughs> but yeah. where, can pe- where can people find out more about you, Raquel? Yes. Um, so my personal diabetes account is type one day. Everything's spelled out like one day at a time. And then type one together, everything is at type one together. The one is also spelled out and not the number there. Uh, so that's on Instagram, TikTok, and you can find all things type one together at type one together.com. And in the link in our bio, you can find the babysitter list as well as on the website. Just make sure that you click be a sitter if you want to be a sitter or find a sitter if you want to find a sitter because there's two separate links. And Our podcast is the 108 podcast. Hopefully we'll get to have you on very soon. And I think that's all. Come say hi whenever. Our DMs are always open. I really love connecting with all of you in person and online. It's just what the whole point is. Like that's all it's about. So yeah, thank you. This was awesome. And what we'll do if you, for whatever reason, do not follow Raquel yet, I will link social media and links to websites, et cetera, in the description so you can check them out. All right, Raquel, thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. It was fascinating and good to properly, properly connect with you after all this time. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hopefully it's not the last. Thanks for everything. 
Another massive thank you to today's guest. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out their social channels and links that we've included in the episode description. If you enjoy the podcast, which I'm guessing you do because you listen, be sure to rate, subscribe, and share. It really, really helps the podcast get heard by more people when you rate, when you subscribe, and when you share. If you feel that you've been able to benefit from it so far, likely someone else would be too. If you have any questions or stories for myself and Graham, please do not hesitate to reach out. We absolutely love getting in the email stories and questions. You can do this through theinsalonepodcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to learn more from me, stay connected or even work with me and other people living with type 1 diabetes who want to be fitter, healthier and happier within my type 1% better online program, you can message me directly through Instagram or you can fill out an application form through the link in the podcast description. And as always, another massive thank you to you for your time and your ears. We greatly appreciate you showing up each week, time after time, ready to gain knowledge and confidence around your diabetes management. So until next week, have a good day, have a good week, look after those blood sugars, and I'll chat to you soon. Take it easy.